Welcome to The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. It is Friday, July the 23rd, 2021. On this edition of The Politocrat, Movies and Your Life. Whichever country you live in, I'd like to know which movie, which film, best represents life in that country. I'm going to talk about the USA, of course, because this is where I am doing this podcast from. But this is universal. And I'll talk about some of the films that may fit the bill. Coming up next. Welcome back, and I hope that Saturday is going well for you wherever you are in the world, or whenever you're listening to this podcast episode. Thank you for doing so. I hope all is well, and things in your life are going the way you want them to. I know we all face challenges of varying degrees, some a lot more severe than others, but I want to say to you that I'm with you, and I believe in you, and I know that you can pull through. It's just going to take a lot of time, a lot of dedication, and a lot of persistence. And so I um, do uh, want to wish you all the very best with whatever you're going through in your life. Um, And just know that you have a supporter out here. So I wanted to say that to you, dear listener, and um, thank you very much for continuing to listen here. I um, really do appreciate you and I respect you and thank you for your time. And so here we are on this Saturday, as it's the um, second to last Saturday of the month of July. Isn't that incredible that we've gone through? And I do talk about this from time to time. How quickly have we gone through this year so far? We've already gone through half the year plus. We are into the back end of 2021. And my, 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 it has flown by. I think that rhymes. I know that rhymes. So um, as I keep checking in with you and asking you every now and again, how are you assessing this year? How has this year gone for you thus far? Um, And I'm going to continue to do that as we go through the rest of this calendar year. I'll check in on you, check in up, check up on you, (laughs) if you will. And I will be by way of just asking you now, um, you know, how you're doing? How how is this year turning out for you? and I'm not talking news-wise. I'm talking about in your in your life. You know, no gory details. I don't. It's not that I'm asking you to to do any of that. But I'm just meaning, with all the respect I can muster here, just ask you seriously and sincerely: How do you think the year's going for you? And and how do you judge that for yourself? And it's not even something that. You know, I, you know, like I say, it, it's it, you have to judge that for yourself. How is 2021 been for you? I think everybody who looks at 2020 would agree, almost everybody would agree that 2020 was one of the worst years of their lives. And if not on a personal level, on a global level, now obviously there are uh, many of us who have had far worse years than 2020 and in our lives there have been a year or two years or three years that were absolute hell, far worse than anything from 2020. I do understand that fully, but I'm saying, and the reason I said what I said is, the reality was is that very few people enjoyed 2020, except for the uber-rich. 
the super rich, the uber rich, and people at Uber who make lots of money, those at Uber who do. Not the workers, but the people who don't work, the people who just sit there and make phone calls and decide what should be done with the workforce next year and how they're going to have driving cars all over the place. I mean, that we've already got automated drive, you know, self-driving cars, I should say. We already have that in parts of this country and in other parts of, of the world. And yeah, that's a thing now. And that's going to be continuing to be a thing. And oh, the California court says that the drivers for our company here are independent contract, are, are employees, not independent contractors. Oh, well, we're going to get around that. We're going to start bringing in self-driving cars and we can get rid of the employees. They're no longer under our care. We don't have to provide them benefits and health care and all that kind of nonsense. We don't need to give them no stinking health care. Heck, this country, it doesn't have health care as it is. Really, it's broken. It doesn't have anything. Oh, no, the system's not broken. The system's not broken. It's working very well indeed. And that's my kind of hyperspeed rant that lasted, what, 20 seconds? <laughs> Did you... Were you able to comprehend any of what I just said? <laughs> oh, dearie, dearie me. But I just get that out of my system. But, you know, again, the reason I go here and talk about 2020 and talk about um, how you evaluate things, because 2021 has not exactly been um, the kind of year that 2020 was. But my gosh, is it that far behind? We've got a Delta variant here, dear listener, that you know and I know is absolutely laying waste to members of the human population. It's just horrifying. We've got people who are, I mean, suffering. It, it's 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 really bad. I mean, I, I, I just don't understand and I don't know what we're going to do about this and, and when people are going to start to realize that they will have to get vaccinated. And I really do not think Alabama governor, outgoing Republican Alabama governor, Kay Ivey, that making statements like, well, we'll have to blame the unvaccinated is nearly good enough. I don't think that that is good enough. And perhaps some people might think that that in saying that, that I am somehow on the side of people who are unvaccinated. I'm not on, it's not a matter of being on anybody's side or not being on someone's side. It's a matter of how are government officials and health care professionals and scientists going to be dealing with messaging? How are they executing that messaging? Because right now, I think the messaging is piss poor. Right now, I think the messaging is actually getting people killed, quite frankly. Not not all the way. I'm not going to... Now, it's absurd to sit here and say that the, in the messaging is the reason for why people are dying. What? But what is not so absurd at all is the to say that people who are pointing at the unvaccinated and demonizing them, that will not get people who are unvaccinated to change their ways. What will get people who are in vac- unvaccinated, excuse me, to perhaps change their ways is to educate them, is to go to where they are 
and spend a little money out of your government budget to do so. And I know that there are some um, municipal governments and uh, various places um, around the country, including the federal government, I might add, that is stepping that up and doing that. But we don't need governors or anyone else talking about we're going to blame the unvaccinated. What you have to do is put policies in place and do outreach and get to people and educate people. And you've got to spend money to do all of that. And it's not even a question of all of that. It is necessary to do. And I'm sorry, sound bites about we're going to blame the unvaccinated. This is the pandemic of the unvaccinated. That's not going to cut it. It really won't. Saying things like, uh, as the CDC and the COVID task force did last week, last a week from yesterday, previous Friday, uh, previous to this this past Friday yesterday. So just eight days or so ago to say to people, well, this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. That is not going to cut it. This is a pandemic of all of us. Vaccinated, unvaccinated, anti-vax, hesitant people, whatever, you know, not hesitant people, people with trepidation. I mean, this is a pandemic of all of us, right? It's not just unvaccinated people. And I know someone's going to say, well, look, Omar, 97 to 98% of the people who are getting this virus now are unvaccinated. Okay, well, again, that is a lesson for these people to wake up and get vaccinated and keep their blooming mask on or put one on if they never have. That's that lesson, right? That's as far as that response should go. But to call this a pandemic of the unvaccinated, I think it's pathetic I think that you're calling it that, oh, because of the numbers. I think it's more than numbers. Again, I keep saying numbers are not everything. And yes, in the pandemic, you can look at numbers and go, yes, they are everything, Omar, because my God, you know, 640,000 people in the United States have been killed and overall, globally, a total of 4 million plus. So yeah, the numbers are something, Omar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I say to that, that there are things going on behind those numbers. Ask why these people ended up dying. Well, obviously, they got the virus. How did they get the virus? Okay, where did they live? Who are they? What did they look like? How old or young were they? Did they live in the United States? Did they live in Italy? Did they live in England? Did they live in the UK overall at large? Did they live on the African continent? And what's the state of their vaccine program on the African continent? See what I mean? Hear what I mean? You hear what I did there, right? I drilled down and forced, well, that's not the right word, and entertained thinking. Because behind numbers, there is a story. There are stories. There are things going on that can't be measured in numbers. And I always say, dear listener, almost at least, well, and you know, I quote Baldwin all the time, a lot of times. And one of the things I like to quote from him is, you know, it, you know, again, I'm paraphrasing here. It's not numbers. You've got to have passion, right? You don't need numbers. You need passion. That's true of the history of the world. And it is true. James Baldwin, once again, is correct, was correct. You need passion behind the numbers. And that's what you get because passion brings the numbers. And the same thing with this pandemic of all of us. Because people who are vaccinated are dying from this too. 
And someone else is going to go, well, not in large numbers. Of course not in large numbers, but that's not the point because this is not a numbers game to me. I mean, to perhaps some people listening, this is a numbers game. Well, it's only 2% of the the vaccinated who are getting this, so huh, it's those guys over there. And that's what that kind of messaging does. When you start to talk about the pandemic of the unvaccinated, even if it's 99%, or even if it was 100% of people unvaccinated getting this, that still doesn't do it because... They are not the only people in society. They are not the only ones. We've got to stop doing that. Well, it's them over there or them over here. The point is, is that, yes, they should absolutely. You know that you know what the only thing is that you can say is that, well, you should have got vaccinated. If these folks end up dying, that's what you say. But to say that this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated, I just think that's irresponsible. And I know that people will disagree with that, but that's okay. I don't say things to have people agree or disagree with them. I just say, well, I say things so that you can entertain those thoughts that I am leaving in the ether. And then you can decide what you think. And you, well, you don't have, you don't need me to say, to, to preface these things so that you can, I mean, you have your own ideas, obviously, about, about all of this. So all I'm saying is, is that the messaging has to be better from government officials. The science community has to continue to do the work it's doing. And the messaging has to be clearer and, and more coherent. Because here in the United States, at least, it has not been. Whether it's state, whether it's local to a degree, but particularly on the federal level, it's not been. I think this CDC is doing better than the previous one. I don't think there's any question about that. But I still think that the CDC under President Biden made a mistake in May of this year, just a couple of months ago, when it said in the early part of May 2021 that, oh, no, you can take off your mask if you're fully vaccinated, unless this, unless that. And they made all these qualifiers. And when you start doing that, you allow wiggle room in gray areas. For people to sneak into and luxuriate themselves in and with. And because you do that, you run the risk of making this worse. And then, hey, presto, here in California in May, there was around 6% of people getting this new Delta variant, this Delta variant, right? And then in June, of course, after our governor here in this uh, fine state, Mr. Gavin Newsom, Decided to open Sesame to the whole state. Open Sesame, June 15th, 2021. That was our version of Freedom Day here in California. You know, Boris Johnson across the pond, as it were. This part of the pond, because there's lots of ponds, not just the one going across the Atlantic between the US and, uh, and England and the UK. But Boris Johnson announced that look, this week, Freedom Day. And our Freedom Day here, at least in California, was June the 15th. Uh, it's just, it was just, and I said again, I'm going to go ad infinitum at this. I said at the time here that while, yes, I understand people need to get back to whatever it is they were doing and whatever that was. No, no, what, what were you doing? What were they doing? <laughs> but at the same time, this is really irresponsible because it's too soon, it's too fast, and when you tell people not to wear a mask, they're going to totally follow your order. You know, more people are going to take their masks off when you tell them they can than people are going to put them on when you tell them they 
they should, they must. It's a, that's a simple fact. Human beings are much more freedom-oriented or our code, our DNA, is about rebelling against anything that puts a clamp on our style, crimps our style, if you will. But the point is, is that when you've got a public health emergency and you've got a global pandemic like this, you cannot F around with this stuff. And this also is culture too, in this country in particular, where everything is, and it's not the only country, but it is the major country where this is happening. Everything is instant gratification. You've got to live for now, 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 live for today only, live today, today, today. And no one plans for tomorrow. Nobody does. Well, not nobody. But a lot of the projection of the culture is that nobody plans for tomorrow. It's soundbite city today and then shit hits the fan tomorrow morning. And that is the reality in which the American culture governs. And the society and the attitudes and the mores of many people in the culture and in society govern. Oh, they just told us to take off the mask. We can fling it off. No critical thinking, no thought amongst some people, at least, that, well, maybe we should just ease off. And there are people, a great many people, let me just say this, who are taking moderation on here and going, no, you know, yeah, the CDC might be saying this and that, but I'm going to take it a little easier. And I'm going to wait to get more information before I fling off my mask. And I just think that that makes sense. I'm in that school as well. I'm going to wait. I told you even before this Delta variant, dear listener. And again, it's not to brag. I'm just saying again that a few weeks and months ago, I was saying I'm going to wear this mask, these masks until the end of the year. And I'm and I really will. I will keep that promise. And I may well continue to wear them into 2022. It's better to be safer than sorry. And with movie theaters opening, I mean, this is just absolutely a recipe. In the UK, we've seen these rates go up, up and up. I mean, we have. We, 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 we've seen that. And that's thanks to the Johnson variant because Boris Johnson has a variant named after him. Isn't that cute to have a variant named after you? The Johnson variant. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, that's, the, that's what Boris Johnson's done, though. He's forced that nickname because of his behavior and the irresponsibility of Boris Johnson and these Tories. And Sajid Javid, who is the health secretary in England, has now recovered apparently from COVID and I hope he's well. And, you know, but this is just just crazy. And people are just becoming very rude. Here in San Francisco, there's a story about this and I'll I'll talk about it briefly here for a moment before I get to really what I wanted to stay on track with. Um people at restaurants getting to be very nasty. Very nasty, very nasty to the workers. Why aren't you treating workers with respect? They are on the front lines and some of these people are coming into their restaurants not wearing masks because the governor of the state here in California, oh no, you don't have to wear a mask. If you're fully vaccinated and I'm trusting in an honest system and there is no such thing as a blooming honest system when it comes to this. People are not generally honest. Some people are, but a whole lot are not. And when you tell them, well, the honest system, these people don't put them. Come on. 
come on, there will be some people who are honest. And there are lots of honest, decent people on this planet and in this country. I'm not doubting that at all. I, I believe in the goodness of people. I really do. I know you might find that hard to believe listening to this podcast. But I do believe in the decency of human beings. And I also believe, and I know for a fact, that there are human beings who aren't decent, who are rude, who are impolite, who are disrespectful, who are racist. These things are facts. And you've got people coming into some of these restaurants in the Bay Area, here in San Francisco, in the Bay Area at large, in Northern California, behaving like absolute thugs and monsters. It's just absolutely abject. If they would see how they look, and I'm sure there are video cameras and security cameras in these restaurants. If they would see how they look, you've got people screaming, my wife is hungry and she needs her food now. I mean, that was in this story that I was going to get into, which I'm not going to get into because there was other things I wanted to get into. And screaming at, at freaking kitchen workers, people who are cooking the food. You imagine some pissant, privileged person, white, screaming at the kitchen workers, my wife is hungry, my child is hungry, and they need to be fed now. I want, I mean, what are you? And you're a grown-ass man doing that? Oh, dear. Uh, I mean, you're really seven years old and with your temper tantrum, aren't you? Your privileged temper tantrum. It's just absolutely scandalous. You're a grown-ass man. And you're behaving like a seven-year-old who's had his toys taken from him. You have to wait like everyone else. And you're in such a hurry to run back to a restaurant. And if you catch COVID now, what's going to happen to you? It's just absolutely, and you're screaming about your food. Go cook something. That's what I tell that man that did that. Go freaking well cook. Can you bloody well cook, man? Uh, really? I mean, save some blooming money and cook. So that, you know, anyway, that's my response to that. But my whole thing is, let me get back to the larger picture of this variant, this Delta variant. And I've talked about it a lot. You've heard about it a lot. You're probably fed up of it, some of you. But you can't be fed up of this because this is the number one issue right now, aside from voting, which I'm going to get into in a short little while. We have got to do something about trying to make this a safer place. And you don't do that by flinging off a mask and running back to a restaurant in which other people don't have masks on. You don't know what their vaccination status is. They don't know what yours is. You intrinsically know that you've been vaccinated fully. They don't. They may know intrinsically that they've been vaccinated fully. You don't. You may have people in these restaurants who've only received one dose. And for them, they're vaccinated. But no, you're not. You're not fully vaccinated. If you have Moderna, Pfizer, AstraZeneca, that's not full vaccination. If you've had Johnson & Johnson, however, that is. But, you know, we hear all these stories about Johnson Johnson's vaccine and this and that and the other and... You are going to end up having a situation where you're going to require people to be doing this. And there are Bay Area restaurants that are going to be ending up doing this here in California. 
Northern California. They're going to be requiring people to show proof of vaccinations. As they're already doing that in Stadia here in California. They, they did that at Wembley Stadium, I think, um, for the Euros. I'm not 100% sure. Um, and at football grounds, they're going to be doing that when the English football season begins in the next week or two in England. And then the Premier League season begins on the 14th of August. So that's, what, three Saturdays from today. Um, they're going to start doing that, I think. That may happen. But that's going to be what's going to happen here. You're going to start banning unvaccinated. And this goes back to what I said earlier. Instead of pointing your finger at the unvaccinated through these press releases or these soundbite moments, these governors, this is what businesses are going to have to do. They're going to have to make these choices to instead of pointing fingers like these elected officials do, to just say unvaccinated people will not be allowed entry here. And pass a law that does that. Either pass a law or actually put that on your business. And the business is entitled to do that. What a business can't do is say, black folk, you can't come in here. Transgender folk, you can't come in here. That is not a business that can, there's no business that can do that. That's not allowed. That's illegal. That is a criminal, that's a penalty. It's discrimination against groups of people. Versus saying to unvaccinated people in the middle of a health crisis and a pandemic, you're not going to be allowed in here. That's completely understood. The downside to that, though, is that when a government does this or when businesses do this, they then expand it. Government powers in particular, let me get to that, they expand. And when they bring in one measure that is designed to screen out the unvaccinated, they will then push that to other things to screen out this group and that group and the other group. And the, that is the history of governments all over the world. And, you know, we can name all of them, right, that do these draconian things. They start, quote unquote, innocently enough. And then they start to turn the screw. Oh, we did that. What's to stop us from doing this? Oh, we did this. What's to stop us from doing the other? Oh, we did the other. What's to stop us from doing that thing over there? Oh, we did that thing over there. What's to stop us from doing that thing over that way? And you can hear where I'm going with that. I came across, in keeping with the story, I came across... Something that you really should keep an eye on. Because this is no joke. Again, this is kind of a selfish thing because I'm focusing on California a bit here, as you might be able to tell. Um, but this is some um, serious stuff here. And I saw this on my jog this morning. I was running and I stopped to see. I had to stop and I don't like to stop um, during a jog, that's just, you know, that's a, that's basically a cardinal sin. I just, this is really an issue. And if I can find this, I definitely will, will find it. Um, but I had it, 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 it just basically said here that it's just so bad. Here we go. Okay. I think I got it now. 
This is from the San Francisco Chronicle, and it was yesterday. Daniel, Danielle Echeverria and Aaron Allday. The title of the article is SF's Coronavirus Case Rate Now Rivals California's What's Going On? Here we go with this, right? And I really need people to understand, right, what, what's going on here. This is no joke. No joke at all. No joke. Coronavirus cases rose faster in San Francisco in the past week than in the Bay Area and California as a whole. And the city's case rate on several days exceeded both the regions and the states. It was a rare occurrence for the city, which has had among the lowest virus rates among major U.S. metropolitan areas throughout the pandemic. Experts say that more than a month after the state and the city reopened, hello, the super contagious Delta variant is spreading rapidly among the unvaccinated. Dr. Jahan Fahimi, an emergency room doctor at UCSF, said cases have been climbing there among those who are unvaccinated, as well as patients who were fully vaccinated but are immunocompromised. Quote, even in a place like San Francisco with really high vaccination rates. We're seeing a surge because this virus is basically going out there and finding every unvaccinated person, in quote, he said. Wow. This is now again, look again, I know, again, it just lends, it kind of flies in the face of what I've said. Oh, it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Yeah, okay. So yes, it's very clear from what I've just read again that people who are unvaccinated are sure to get this dead red. But again, I still disagree with the messaging. You know, if you're trying to shame or scold somebody, that is not going to get them to change their ways. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, it's not. And I think that that is going to create even more problems when you really think about this, dear listener. If you're being told, right, if I sit here and tell you, you know, you're pathetic and you need to do this and you need to do that, and you're the reason why this variant's gone up, how do you take that? Does that spur you into action or does that harden you and just put you at a more deeper and entrenched defensive mode? I think that most people would answer in the latter. I think most people would. I'm only saying to you that the reality is that we've really got to change this messaging, right? And we've got to really face up to what's going on here. Because there are people who are fully vaccinated who are dying as well. 
And I think the way that you deal with this is you educate these unvaccinated people. And people who have already been vaccinated, if you have people in your family who are still very averse, risk-wise, who are experiencing levels of trepidation that are running through the roof, try to educate them. And even perhaps they've been educated and they're still worried, but you have to try to educate them. Try again. Try a different way. People you love and care about, try a different way to educate them about this. In fact, quote this article that I have read a part of. SF's coronavirus case rate now rivals California's what's going on. And tell them that San Francisco, which and this is true, had one of the lowest rates in the entire country of coronavirus and of deaths. And that's all true. I'm not making any of this up. And certainly did so amongst the major metropolitan cities in the country, New York and, you know, Philadelphia and, you know, Chicago, Los Angeles, Los Angeles. Oh, my goodness. They have been hit so hard and they now have a mandatory mask mandate for people fully vaccinated and unvaccinated indoors. You've got to wear a mask at all times. Indoors. At restaurants and public spaces, I mean. That's mandatory. In Los Angeles. Right now. But show people this article that I've been reading from. right? That's written by Danielle Echeverria and Aaron Alday. Dated yesterday, July 23rd, 2021, in the San Francisco Chronicle. Show them the article. Send it to them. Call them. Read the article to them. Give them a call. Find out how they're doing. I know there was a report a few weeks ago on World News Tonight, and it was showing, and again, I don't really watch corporate news media. I know that should be my famous last words, but I caught a little bit of this. I was turning over, and it was about the Delta variant. This is about three weeks ago now, on a Sunday, and there was a man, I think it was a Latino man, Latino man, who had been in a hospital for six months with COVID, with the Delta variant. And he was only 30 years old. 30 years old. 3-0. He was in his 30s. Or his late 20s. I think he was 30. And his wife is sitting there with him. His two or three kids. I think it's he has three. They have three kids. And he said, I'm just thankful I was able to beat this. And he had been in hospital for six months. He'd been on ventilators. He had had COVID. It turned out that it was the Delta variant that he had had. And he is slowly returning to normal. He's still walking with a, 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 I mean, this is long COVID. This is the kind of thing. This Delta variant does not, you do not want to be shaking hands with this thing. And so I sent that video to someone. I did. I literally, I actually clipped it, you know, uh, sent the video, sent the video of it. I um, texted the video. Boom. Please watch this. And it was a third. I I clipped about 30 seconds of it. The main part of this guy saying, you know, I'm glad to be alive. This is not something to F around. He didn't use that word F around with. He said, this is not something to play with. This is real. And I didn't believe it. And so many people are saying that who've got this. 
who I don't, I didn't believe this was real. And he, and he got it. Someone here in California, according to the um, SFGate, um, sfgate.com. I just came across that as well. Guy, California guy mocked the virus. He was in his 30s. He died, though. He came down with the virus. He was mocking it. He, I don't know if he was on YouTube or something, but the report essentially said that he mocked it. He spent all these months and, in, and also last year mocking this virus until it came for him. First, I mocked this virus and now I'm dead. I hope that you really got some serious chills listening to that article that I read out. Listening to me read it out because, not because I'm reading it out, <laughs> although, you, although that might have happened too, um, but chills down your spine, serious chills down your spine about this. Because if San Francisco is getting these kinds of things going on now, and it's one of the places in the entire United States of America where there are very low rates, some of the, the lowest in the entire country. And now you're seeing a rise here of Delta variant and it's outstripping the, Bay, the, the San Francisco Bay Area and here in Northern California and outstripping the entire state so far in a one week period this week alone. Just imagine what it's doing in your city, in your country. In your area, in your rural area, in your neck of the woods, wherever you are, please, please, please get fully vaccinated and wear a mask. You, It's not enough, in my view, to be fully vaccinated. Well, it is enough in the sense that if you are fully vaccinated, you are protected from getting this virus in a very serious way. It doesn't mean that you won't get the virus. It means that your symptoms from the virus that you get will not nearly be as bad and they won't be life-threatening at all. And the likelihood of that is very low. You're not really going to... And you're not going to be violently ill or violently sick in any way. But the problem is, if someone comes into contact with you who is unvaccinated and you are fully vaccinated and you do have some other situations going on, some vulnerabilities, I'm going to say. I'm not going to say comorbidities. I know what comorbidities are and you do as well. Uh, what I'm saying is I want to just use, I want to, again, language being very important. I want to employ a different kind of language here. If you are vulnerable and you are fully vaccinated, and you as a vulnerable individual, name the vulnerability, right? Come into contact with someone or they come into contact with you and they're not wearing a mask, you're not wearing a mask, they are unvaccinated and you're in a, a space for a period of time amongst people that you don't know, that you don't know, right? And you're indoors or you're somewhere with this Delta variant, that's rough business. That is rough business. You do not want. You do not want. Oh, no. You do not want 
So that's what I'm saying. That that article is a real eye-opener. That's why I stopped. That's the thing that stopped me when I was jogging this morning. That, that article that came out of this, um, you know, the newspaper stacks and bins and you just, you know, you have to pay whatever it is and you fling, fling open the thing and you see the newspaper and, and there you go, voila. But my goodness me, I looked at that, I looked at that headline in that window of the newspaper box that stands on the sidewalk. That was enough to stop me from jogging. I stopped to read the darn thing, at least part of it, because I, you know, and then I just jogged on. But that reverberated in my mind. And I had my mask on. I had my gloves on. When I jog, gloves, mask. And I know some people say, well, you don't need the gloves. I friggin' wear them. I've been wearing them since last year. And I'm not stopping that either. Uh, again, and you you have to do what is more, most comfortable for you. But wearing a mask, I'm sorry. That's going to be something that's going to be going on into next year. I mean, that's the reality. Until there's ways to get more people vaccinated and also ways to, as scientists will have to make, you know, have to come up with, you know, have to, to deal with this thing. And they're working on this around the clock. And until those things happen, I mean, this Delta variant is the thing that's going to be with us for a long time. And don't forget that it doesn't stop there. We're going to have variants of other kinds coming from other. And again, this is why people should not be thinking this pandemic is done for them. Because in all these countries where people are not getting vaccinated because the resources have not been provided to them, or should I say, they've been stolen from them in the past. And so therefore, because we've had this colonialism and imperialism and England, you know, UK, England specifically in the UK, um, and the United States have been colonizing places or certainly um, been doing that. These countries, India, these continents, Africa, these parts of Asia, Indonesia, these parts of South America, Brazil, Guatemala, and you know, these areas, right? They all are very vulnerable. And so they're getting this Delta variant like wildfire. And it's going to find its way to where you live. It's going to find its way to the country you live in. So, I mean, you can't really even travel internationally. I mean, there's some places, Amber, the Amber List, Boris Johnson's Amber List. Oh, you can maybe travel to this one, but you've got to self-isolate. Come on, man. Come on. This is just, this is just a shit show, to put it kindly. So we can't go around here thinking this pandemic's done. I know the hoity-toities are going to be out here going, oh, I don't need to think about this pandemic. I'm fully vaccinated. I'm selfish, and I'm going to get on with my day. F these masks. I'm taking them off. Ha-ha. <laughs> That'll show them. And then the Delta virus ends up on their doorstep and says, how do you fucking do? And then what happens? And then there's the stupid is and stupid does kind of people who, as we saw this week on Twitter, and I'm on Twitter at the popcorn R-E-E-L, they sit there in Louisiana, in South Carolina, wherever they are, Alabama. Actually, it was Alabama. Let me not mention these other states, although their rates are through the roof. Alabama, some guy on CBS this morning or whatever. CBS this morning was sitting in the hospital bed. He'd been in there for COVID. He had COVID. He was sitting there 
I think he was getting released soon or whatever. And he'd been in the hospital for a number of weeks or months. And the reporter comes up to him and asks him. And the reporter's in a blooming, basically a freaking hazmat suit. And he's asking him, well, are you going to get vaccinated now? You've had this virus and you talked about how bad it was. Are you going to get vaccinated now? No, I'm not. I'm not getting vaccinated. This guy's not getting vaccinated after he's had the blooming thing. Oh, because I'm immune. And, uh, and, I'm like, and he's not getting vaccinated. No. And then the guy, the reporter asked him, so you'd go through this all over again, would you? Yes, I would. What the fuck? Stupid motherfucker window. I mean, this is stupid. It's conscientiously stupid. And that's what we love here in the United States. We love, we worship that. The culture worships conscientiously stupid people. I mean, even Forrest Gump to a degree. He was, well, wasn't he conscientiously stupid to a degree? Maybe not. But that won what? Four Oscars, six Oscars, five Oscars? Tom Hanks won his second Oscar in a row there and with that movie back in 1995 is when he won it. The movie came out in 1994. You know, Forrest Gump is this so-called, I'll be, be nice, simpleton who is running through history and, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah, Mary, um, I forgot the woman that he loves in the movie, the name of the character, Robin Wright um, plays her, Robin Wright, who of course has, has gone on to House of Cards and kicked that uh, piece of garbage to the curb, and you know who I'm talking about, I'm not talking about Sean Penn, although some people may say things about Sean Penn, um, but I'm talking about Robin Wright kicking to the curb, and it wasn't her, it was Netflix, said, Kevin Spacey, you're out of here, Anyway, but that's a whole nother story for another day. Um, but what I'm trying to get to is Jenny. Jenny was the name of the, uh, the the character that Robin Wright played. And actually, Robin Wright was very good in Forrest Gump. But I digress. Forrest Gump, um, I didn't think the movie was a great movie, but definitely had some moments in it that were, you know, telling. I'll put it that way. Um, the music was good, though. <laughs> the score was good. And I forget who did the score. Uh, might have been Thomas Newman. But, you know, we, we present ignorance in this country like it's gold. We really do. We, we present ignorance like it's gold. You know, that reporter did not stick a microphone in the face of people who said, yes, I'm fully vaccinated and I'm so glad it's made a really big difference in my life and I'm now masking up and I'm, you know, telling all my friends that they must get vaccinated and it's important, you know, no, they're not doing that. Oh, yes, of course, I know there's some people on news broadcasts that do, you know, they're interviewed and they say that. But it's literally like about a five-second soundbite. But this guy, of course, let's luxuriate on stupidity and ignorance and conscientious stupidity, which, of course, as you know, Dr. Martin Luther King said, was that they're the, they're the, two, the two most dangerous things are sincere ignorance and conscientious stupidity. That's from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., dear listener. And he was absolutely right. I think that's the first time I've quoted Dr. King on here. No, it's not the second time. I quoted another Dr. King saying about hate and light and darkness. Hate can only be driven out by light, you know, and dark, you know, all that kind of thing. 
But we do showcase ignorance and stupidity. And that's why, it's another reason why I don't think that saying this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated is going to change anything for ignorant, stupid people, right? And I'm going to be nasty here about this because people are dying. People are dying. And so you can't be nice about this. And my reaction to the guy in Alabama, I know it seems like I'm contradicting myself, right? Because on the one hand, I just told you that this is not a pandemic of the unvaccinated. And to say that is just for public health officials to say that and scientists to say that and politicians say that is not going to change anything. And perhaps I obviously me saying what I'm saying is not going to change their mind either. But I am saying, and as I said, and I reacted to this on Twitter with this guy who just did not, oh, I'm going to go through this again. Only in America, right? It's like what Brooks and Dunn, Brooks and Dunn once sang, sang, right? Only in America. It's like Don King said that too. And I just read the, the ignorance. And, the, and I said to this on Twitter, I said, oh, this guy should not get any health care. He should not. He should not receive any health care or any treatment at all. Because this guy wants to spread this virus. He wants to get it again. He wants to kill people. And the only way to stop people like that is to not give them any health care or any treatment and let them go. Let them have their via con Dios moment. Let them go with God and literally go with God or go with Jesus. Not that they are Jesus, they are not. Excuse me for getting a little bit theocratic and you know religious here or whatever. Please, indulge me for one second here. Uh, people like that, want they want to ask out, okay, Here's your out. Ask out. And when you get sick, nobody treat them. Nobody, because I'm sorry, I know that that is in keeping with a system anyway, because the Lord knows that system does that to us, right? They let us die in hospitals or they let us go home and die, right? So, yeah, why don't this this guy, this white guy, why don't let his ass do the same? No treatment, no nothing. He wants to get the virus again? Well, next time, don't give him any health care. Because if he's stupid enough to sit on television with a camera on him and a microphone in his face and to say, well, I'll go through this again. I'd do it again. Don't pay his medical bills. Don't give him any, don't give him any men medical treatment. Let him go. He wants to ask out. He wants out. Clearly, he doesn't care about himself, doesn't care about his life because he doesn't feel that his life is worth a damn. And I wonder who would give him that idea. Next, it's the moment that people who entered the summer book giveaway number two have been waiting for. This is the moment that those who entered the second summer book giveaway here at the Politocrat Daily Podcast have been waiting for. The drawing of the one winner who will get a copy of this book. Get this book, actually, this actual copy, because this is the one I will be sending to the winner I'm about to announce in the drawing that I'm about to do. This is The Other Black Girl. It's a novel by Zakia Harris. And I am proud to say that I'm giving this away to one fortunate winner. This is a really good book. I mean, anyway, I don't want to really 
give anything away, but you've got to read this book. Whether you win this particular giveaway contest or not, you've got to get your hands on this particular book. And one person right now is not going to have to spend a single penny because I am going to be sending this to them. I'm going to draw the name out of the hat. And before I do, I just want to say, please continue to um, support black books, support black authors and support black filmmakers and also support this podcast. Please continue to listen to the Politocrat Daily Podcast. It's on a lot of the platforms um, that are available for podcasts. So without any further ado, this book is going to the following individual. Let me just go into my uh, bag here and draw out the name. The winner of The Other Black Girl, this particular book here, is Yogi Bear 311. Yogi Bear 311. Congratulations, Yogi Bear 311. You are the winner of this. Congratulations. A copy will be on its way to you. And um, I'll be in touch with you. So congratulations, Yogi Bear 311. And um, well done. And to all of you who entered, thanks for entering. There will be another summer book giveaway here at the Politocrat Daily Podcast coming up um, in the next few weeks. So stay tuned to that and keep listening to the Politocrat Daily Podcast. Thank you. Welcome back. So it's on to voting. And I have to say that the two V's, variance and voting, are the two things that we here in the United States are going to be dealing with. And also people in the UK are going to be dealing with this and people around the world in at large are going to be dealing with this voting. Because as you may have heard, in England, Boris Johnson's Tory government introduced a bill that would require voter ID. Yeah, they're doing the same thing that the Republicans are doing over here. Yep. And this ID law would require a particular kind of voter ID. And that is going to be problematic for many millions of people in England and across the United Kingdom because they will not be allowed to vote because they likely will not have the required ID. And the reasons why they won't are due to a lot of systemic things that punish the people who don't have the ID that would be required under this bill. And very simply, that means that a lot of people who are black, a lot of people who are brown, a lot of people who are Asian, as in Indian, Pakistani, Bangladeshi, etc., etc., Afghani, etc., etc., are not going to be able to vote. And that's what they want in Boris Johnson land. And the Tories love this idea because it means that an ever dwindling and ever more unpopular political party 
will now get to pick its voters. And that's what will happen. It will get so that you have only three blooming percent of the country voting. Just like what happened in the conservative leadership battle where only members of the conservative party could obviously vote for the leader of the party. And it was literally less than 3% or less than 2 or 1% of the country voting for the next leader of the conservative party. And what you would have with this dangerous ass law would be to stop a lot of people who were elderly from voting, stop a lot of people in the communities that I just mentioned from voting. I mean, it's horrible. It's horrible. And here it's on steroids. Has been. And according to the Guardian here, Jewel Wicker, J-E-W-E-L, is the first name of this person. I don't know if that is a male person or a female person. I would think of that as a female person, but I don't know for sure. So, you know, and it could be someone who um, uses the pronouns they and theirs. So, you know, I, I have to recognize and be uh, also ever um, mindful of that as well. What I'm saying is that Jewel Wicker, W-I-C-K-E-R, is the last name of this particular reporter in Atlanta, wrote a story called Voting Curbs Enacted in 18 U.S. States This Year Despite None Finding Widespread Fraud. This is dated Friday, July the 23rd, 2021, so that was yesterday. And that's the thing, right? All of the people, these Republicans or the conservatives in England going, oh, yes, it's fraud, there's widespread fraud. No, there's not. And we all know that. And now that's their pretext, flimsy as it is, to say, damn it, we're going to now say you can't vote or we're going to say we're going to make it very hard for you to vote. And that's what they're trying to do, which in turn is tantamount to telling people, don't bother. You've got to jump through all these hoops don't bother. And that's exactly what this is. It's a chilling effect too. Because while they may not out and out, I mean, they really are saying it, but while they are not out and out saying to you in your face, we don't want you to vote. And, you know, they really are saying that to you. What they are saying with these laws, these proposed bills and laws in here in the US is, we want you to get so discouraged that you don't vote. And that's what the law is. It effectively says, Oh, you don't have the voter ID, you can't vote. And then how many of you are going to be committed to getting the required ID and going through the hoops that that these bills are going to require you to jump through just to get the blooming ID and then you've got to do this and do that and do the other afterwards? How many people are going to be that committed? Some will and some won't. And if they can pick off the some won'ts, That is going to be an election victory, everybody, for them. Their slender, already slender and shrinking voting populace is now going to be increased. Because you've got black folk and brown folk continuing to grow their families. And you've got a lot of white people who are continuing to have less children. And you've got a lot of people who are growing their families, adding members to their families who are not voting for the conservatives. And many of them are not voting for the Republicans here in the U.S. But this story by Jewel Wicker should also send chills down your spine, which is why I decided to talk about this, because I want you to feel very chilly, not because I am a sadist or a masochist or uh, anything else. 
Though I know sadism and masochism are two different things. But you know what I'm trying to say. I don't, I don't get any joy. I'm not, this is not Schadenfreude hour. This is not Schadenfreude hour. This is, I want to convey this to you so that you can convey it to someone else who's not listened to this podcast. And you can say that in The Guardian, did you know that in 18 states in this country, the United States, They have these voting bills, these anti-voting bills, what they are, anti-voting bills. I wouldn't even, and voter suppression bills, obviously, but I would call them anti-voting bills. Look, the Democrats need messaging. And calling it voter suppression to me ain't enough, and I've used the term myself. You need to say anti-voting. These are anti-voting bills, AVBs, anti-voting bills. That's the kind of messaging you need to hear. You need to freaking well hammer that so that you get sick of hearing it. But that's what it is. Anti-voting bills. You are against. You have to make it clear. These Republicans are anti-vote. They don't want to vote. They don't want debate. They don't want anything but power. And so this article called Voting Curbs enacted in 18 U.S. states this year, despite none finding widespread fraud, should absolutely scare you. And the subtitle. 30 laws limit mail and early voting, impose tougher voter ID laws and risk faulty purges, as in people's votes being wiped out and being people being wiped from the voting rolls, I mean, says Bren, Brennan, Center, Brennan Center Analysis. Excuse me. I'm going to read this. It's a relatively short article, so I'm going to read this to you. At least 18 U.S. states have enacted more than two dozen laws this year that restrict voting access, according to a new report from the Brennan Center for Justice. The report found that the 30 laws that have been passed since 1st of January, quote, make male voting and early voting more difficult, impose harsher voter ID requirements and make faulty voter roll purges more likely, among other things, end quote. The laws were among the more than 400 bills introduced in 49 states during this year's legislative session that would make voting more difficult. Such proliferating and restrictive legislation contrasted sharply, however, with the report's finding that no states produced evidence of widespread fraud in the 2020 elections, despite continued claims by Donald Trump, backed by numerous Republican leaders, that he was not beaten by Joe Biden in the race to the White House. He was whipped by Joe Biden in the race to the White House. Those are my words. And that's the fact. And in fact, officials at local, state, and national level declared last November's the most secure election in U.S. history. And you remember Chris Krebs, right, on the TVs talking about that. He was the cybersecurity guy in the Department of National Intelligence. And then, of course, this jackass Trump fired him, remember? While Trump fought in vain through the courts to overturn the result. Yeah, he wasted a lot of money. (laughs) And I hope it wasn't taxpayer money. But he wasted a lot of freaking money to do that. He probably probably was taxpayer money. He knew he, he knew that 
that this thing hadn't been stolen. He just didn't want to admit it, right? We all know that. The Brennan Center notes that not all of the 30 laws are equally restrictive. Four laws in Indiana, Kentucky, Louisiana, and Oklahoma, for instance, also included legislation that will make voting easier for certain communities. Well, I would like to study more on that myself and get back to you on it. Still, the study says the, quote, wave of restrictions on voting, end quote, is, quote, the most aggressive we've seen in more than a decade of tracking state voting laws, end quote. The New York-based public policy organization blames voter fraud allegations and racist misinformation for the rise in voter suppression efforts. The news followed the release of a letter sent to Biden earlier this week from the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights asking for the administration to renew its commitment to passing the For the People Act and the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act, legislation that has so far been stymied in Congress by the Republicans. The letter was signed by a number of black organizations, including the Brennan Center for Justice. Excuse me, let me say that again. The letter was signed, let me correct that. The letter was signed by a number of organizations, including the Brennan Center for Justice, Black Voters Matter Fund, Color of Change, and the NAACP. Quote, as organizations dedicated to the protection of voting rights, we are just as troubled as you by the surge this year of state legislation restricting access to the franchise, in quote, the letter said. It continued, quote, voters of color will bear the brunt of these new restrictions in what amounts to the most significant assault on voting rights since the Jim Crow era. Even more serious threats loom on the horizon. The upcoming redistricting cycle is expected to bring another round of extreme gerrymandering that will disproportionately dilute the votes of people of color. In quote, it urged action, noting, Quote, Congress has the power and duty to stop this anti-democratic and discriminatory assault on Americans' voting rights. Indeed, only federal legislation can ensure that our elections are safe and free and fully protect the franchise, end quote. And that's the thing, right? That is the story. That's the heart of what's going on. And the way a society crumbles is, among other things, but this is one of the biggest ways it crumbles, is when it does not have people voting in it. And granted, we know every society has people that, 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 that do not vote, even though they are eligible to and can. And then there are people in the society who do vote. But when you are taking measures like this to eradicate people's voting efficiency... And you're taking these anti-vote bills and getting them passed and they are implemented in the state you're in. 18 states. I mean, that's almost, I mean, that's, that's, that is almost. That, that's what? I mean, my math is not the greatest at times. But that's over. Right, when you think about it, that's over a third of the states in the country. Over a third of the states in the country. Seriously. It's over a third. 33%. More than 33% of the states in this United States are doing this. And we have to really continue to get educated. We know what the landscape is. Okay, voter suppression, 
anti-voting bills. That's what I'm going to call it from now on. Anti-voting bills by Republicans. That's the landscape that we are all living in. We've got to now craft a strategy for what we're going to be doing in 2022. And hence, a week ago or so, I told you about contacting senators and how you can do that. Um, there are apps as well, the five calls apps, the number five, and then the word C-A-L-L-S, right? If you get that app, and I think it's still available, it will give you phone numbers and access to all the people in the House of Representatives, all the people in the Senate, phone numbers, their voting records, everything, their offices, all of this, their phone numbers for their offices, contact info. It's such an important app. I think it's, I think it's still around. And it can dial for you. It can do these things. I mean, I believe it can dial for you. I'm not 100% sure. But the point is, is that we've got to get active. We've got to get educated. I know it's, it's what? It's, we're a month into the summer. And it feels like, as James Baldwin said many years ago, it feels like summer is almost over before it's really begun. And it, it really kind of is. It kind of feels like the summer's already over. I mean, it's July the 24th. It's just crazy. Just over a month in, but it feels like it's already at the end. And believe me, July 24th, 2021 will soon turn into September of 2022. And by then, it's going to start to be too late because you're going to need to have all your ducks in a row. That means you're going to have to have your voter ID in these states, these 18 states at least that are doing this. You're going to have to have all your ducks laid out. You're going to have to make sure that everything is consistent because some of these states are saying if you have a driver's license that is not the same as the information we have, then you can't vote. I mean, that's what some of these laws do. If you have a driver's license, for example, dear listener, and you have a middle initial and the middle initial does not have a period next to it, for example, and then the files that the voting elect that the elections board has in your city contains a period next to it and your driver's license doesn't, you show them that, that they can tell you under these laws, nope, you can't vote because you're not verified because you don't have a period next to your middle initial. But our records here do. What if someone stuck a period on there before you walked in? How would you know? But I swear... Mr. Officer, Madam Officer, I, my driver's license matches. I registered to vote with your services. How come there's a period there now? I mean, this opens up the door to all kinds of bullcrap that gets done, right? But, you know, President Biden has not done enough. You know, I talked about that yesterday, um, or was it Thursday? Thursday, jeez, my gosh, these days just go so, the days just bleed into each other. I talked about this on Thursday with that town hall that President Biden had on Wednesday, where he didn't address these issues about voting rights and in the filibuster. He really circumnavigated them and pivoted away from them. And just really pissed poor answers. And I, I talked about that. I'm going to have to go over that again. Here, you can go back and listen to that episode on Thursday, uh, July the 22nd, where I really did go to town on President Biden and on some of these Democrats. Because, listen... I may have voted for President Biden, but it doesn't mean he gets a free pass. And that doesn't mean that when he does something wrong, I stay silent. Because that is where we all lose. That's where, you, that's where your country goes to hell in the handbasket. And it already is, by the way. And it did from the time it was stolen from the Native Americans. 
Your country goes to hell in the handbasket on a lots of for lots of reasons. But when you vote for President Biden and you're not saying anything, when he is not is not even doing anything about voting rights, well, we know where you stand. If you're sitting there silent, I don't care how this is received by the people who receive it, because. If you have that guilty conscience, then you will behave accordingly and you'll get upset that someone's pointing out to you the hypocrisy, right? Because you cannot stay silent on this and claim that you're this champion of voting rights and we should everyone should vote. Uh, we shouldn't have any discrimination in voting. We shouldn't have anti-voting bills passed by Republicans. But then when President Biden is asked a question in a freaking town hall, by, by someone who called himself a Democrat, is a white male, uh, soon-to-be law student entering law school in the fall. And he asked one of, I think, the best question of the night. When he asked President Biden, you know, what, you haven't done enough. You're not doing enough. Just straight out confronted him in Ohio there at the tunnel. Straight out confronted them and said, in a nice way, you haven't, you and your colleagues haven't done enough. And he's right, they haven't. They haven't. And then he started, and then Biden starts with a defensive answer. Well, I'll stand by this. Like, dude, there are black folk in this country who are not being allowed to vote. And your response to begin with is, I'll stand by this. We don't need you to stand by anything but us. Because you're the one who in your speech many Saturdays ago from this Saturday, right? Many Saturdays ago, on Saturday, November the 7th, 2020, you sat there in Delaware and you told us, oh, yes, the black, the African-American community, you've always had my back and I'll have yours. Oh, please. Anyway, I don't want to reprise the whole thing. But that was the best question of the night. And he didn't address it. President Biden didn't address it. And I think that's pathetic. And I'm sorry, those people out here who are not challenging President Biden on this and not criticizing on the, him on this, shame on you. Why are you not saying anything? Why aren't you not at least saying, if you can't get out there and march with black women and black men, why are you here talking about voting rights and you are not saying anything when President Biden is not getting rid of the filibuster, not playing any role in trying to get rid of it. Oh, we don't want Congress destroyed. Fuck Congress. We don't want the whole voting mechanism of an entire country destroyed. We don't want black folk not being able to vote. We don't want anyone not being able to vote. And here's the kicker. This affects everybody. It's not only black people. But you see, some of you, some of them, whoever they are, are duped into thinking, oh, it's the black folk. We don't have to do anything about this. It's the whole Niemöller thing again, right? First, they came for the black people. Then they came, come on now. But you've been seduced into believing that, oh, well, it's just them. It doesn't affect me. And the thing is, you've got to be your brother's and sister's keeper. You've already forgotten. You're supposed to stand up when other groups are going through things, just like I would stand up for anyone else. And I said this in a few, a few episodes ago. I know there are people who aren't going to stand up for us. They're not going to do it. 
right? And I've said before, don't let what they don't do dictate what you do. And I kind of, I still stand by that. But I'm going to be very, very clear about their lack of inaction, their lack of action. You can't be inactive on these things. When voting is the very essence of what so-called democracy is supposed to be, and you now want to roll back 60 years of progress by sitting on your ass, sitting on your duff, when black folk are getting arrested out here, black women are getting arrested, and your ass isn't saying anything, and you claim to be this voting rights person, oh, I'm, I'm for voting, and then you don't even tweet something about this. You don't even say anything to Biden about this. You don't challenge your president because you voted for him and he's your guy. And I reject that stuff. We've got to start looking at this as people and not as these blooming partisans that we've all become. And it's sickening. And we've got to start somewhere with this nonsense and end it. Because why are you going to want to say that you want to be a better person and want a better world and a better country, which whichever that one is that you're living in, and you're not going to stand up and say anything when your guy or your lady or your politician doesn't do anything to ameliorate a serious problem that affects all of us. It's just crazy. I mean, craziness, craziness. Uh, again, that is just something I will never understand. And I think part of it is pure selfishness. Part of it is you have access to people in power and you don't want to say anything to piss them off because perhaps maybe your access gets revoked. Part of this may be just that you don't really care. You say you care, but you really don't. You only care when it affects you and yours and your people. And so you're not going to say anything when black folk or brown folk are affected, or in this case, black folk, because I'm not hearing from a whole lot of Latino people either about this. I'm not hearing from the LGBTQIA community about this. And our black trans, I hope black trans are saying something about this. So how can how come the how can the extended communities of people of LGBTQIA be silent on this? And I know I was standing up like hell, hell. I was standing up like nobody's business and will continue and always will stand up for the LGBTQIA community. Always, 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 always. I've, I've been involved in that. I've been involved in, in, in uh, education and voting for that and, and voting for that. What I mean by that is prop, voting against Prop 8 here in California. What I mean by that is engaging with people in the communities I've just mentioned. What I mean by that is um, education and all kinds of things. And it's just, and now when you need some people in, in your corner, where the fuck are people? It's just kind of telling, isn't it? It's kind of telling. We've been so segregated and balkanized into our groups that we don't do any intersectionality. We talk about it and it's a nice little cute buzzword. And uh, by the way, at the Politocrat Daily Podcast door, I have some t-shirts on intersectionality. But intersectionality is not being preached. I mean, being being preached is not being practiced. I just think it's really sad. Um, I know this has happened from time immemorial. 
you know, nobody cares except for their own. And it's just terrible. And here's the thing that just really kills me. Back in the 60s when there was a civil rights movement, there were people from all groups joining in with that. You had different churches, you had different, you had white people joining in. Yeah, come on. And, and now in 2021, it's only black folk. So we've gone friggin' backwards. If you've now got a civil rights movement, a human rights movement, a voting rights movement, and it's black people mostly, or 99%, 98%, 95% black folk, where's the hell? We've gone backwards. If we if we are if we want to have progress, you have to have coalitions, and those coalitions have to join in with the black people who are getting arrested out here and join in in some other way, do something. And you've got you, the people who have big big ass platforms, have to start making some big ass noise, because this is unacceptable. This is affect. It's going to affect everybody, and black folk are going to be the ones that go first, and it's again Nimola. First they came for, and all the rusty ass people who are sitting there and aren't saying anything, your turn's coming next. Your ass is up next. And if you think I'm joking or saying this for effect, look at history and think again. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore.